Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Welcome, gardeners. Good morning. Going to be a hot day. Not getting better. That's just... We're going to be in the heat for a while, so... Do your best with it. Remember, keep yourself watered. Protect yourself from the sun and the heat. And pay attention out there, folks. Barbecues start fires. So make sure you're cautious with how you handle it. Uh, You may have seen the news last night. A gentleman came home. He looked over his fence in the backfield behind that fence was on fire right next to his home. So I have to watch what's going on. This kind of heat is just going to be terrible for us. We're approximately uh, four and three quarters inches below average for this time of the year, almost five inches. That's a lot of water. That is a lot of water. And we need to do better than that. Um, I see someone sent me a text about their hibiscus. Uh, They have a beautiful standard pink hibiscus and they have a double blooming orange hibiscus. Gotta tell you, I'm sure that double blooming orange one is tropical meaning it won't make it through the winter. Uh, It will definitely freeze. You will find these kind of varieties more often than not at a big box store. But it looks like a double blooming hibiscus. Um, We, Leah and... uh, Colleen talked to someone about their um, get rid of their uh, crepe myrtle. They had a 60 to 80 year old crepe myrtle. For the record, had to look this up. I knew that there is over a 150 year old crepe myrtle in Atlanta. And the Mr. Google says crepe myrtles were introduced to Texas in 1857. So they've been here a while. They definitely adapted to the Texas environment quickly and easily. Um, But a 60-year-old crepe myrtle, I'm not watering it every day. My crepe myrtles on my property are more than 30 years old, 30 foot tall. I have never given them supplemental water. Never, never, never. And it sure hasn't slowed them down at all. They still bloom. They still grow. They still look great. But I do not water them. After 30 years, they're well established. And it's not something that they need. Let's go to the phone. This is Steve. Steve, what can I help you with? Well, one of your nemesis, I'm sure. Nutgrass. Yeah. 
it's not it's not it, it's really it's sparse, but uh, you can actually see the runners and you can pull the runners up. But it's got all these little furry white uh, roots that grow off of it. And I notice if you don't get those things, it comes back. Well, nutgrass usually comes underground from a nut. It'll look like when a squirrel plants an acorn. And the shoots will be coming from there. I don't know what you're pulling up. Nutgrass is long, spiky, um, and it is miserable to get rid of because if you don't get rid of all of the well, nuts, it's, uh, it's kind of spiderish looking. Excuse me, sir. Yeah, it's kind of what looking. It's kind of spidery looking, and it's uh, it it grows like uh, it grows like monkey grass, kind of kind of sort of. Uh, it's just it's just really long and cylindrical. Uh, not cylindrical. It's long and um, it's got uh, flat blades on it. Well, congratulations. Yeah. You have experienced nutgrass in Texas. That's actually a sedge, by the way. We okay. call it nutgrass, but that's all right. You know, who's, who cares what we call it? We don't like it. No, sir. The only real way to get rid of it is to pull it so that you get the nut out of the ground. It thrives okay. in areas that are wetter, and uh, it's not a fan of the drought, but um, that's really the only way to get rid of nutgrass, is to pull it out in such a way that you get the entire nut. Yeah, Otherwise, I'm, I'm digging it up. Back. I mean, it's like, some of it's like 10 inches deep. Yeah. It's real deep. Yeah, it's really yeah. deep. I was wondering, maybe it's not nutgrass or something else. But, um, okay, when I'm you dig it. that deep, how big is the mound that you pull out? Uh, let's see. Doing a run right now uh, while I'm talking to you. Uh, it, well, it's, it's got nothing. It's got a bunch of runners on it. It just runs to the other other plant. Yeah, one nutgrass can run, look like it runs to another one. Mm-hmm. Well, the question I have is, I know you hate this this word, but if I was to take concentrated uh, uh, Roundup and put it on a rag and wipe that leaf with it, would it kill that root area? Nope. <laughs> nice try. There's no guarantee... Usually, nutgrass will succumb to it. But many times, Roundup isn't enough to get rid of it. So you can try it, but you have no guarantee that it's going to take out the nutgrass. Gotcha. Um, no, no harm in trying. And the way you suggest doing it is very good. You don't have to worry about overspray or things like that. Um, you can put it on a cloth. You can try a sponge, too. Yes. Put sponge. some gloves on, put it on a sponge, wipe the leaf with it. Um, but don't think that it's going to just totally wipe out all of the nutgrass for you. 
It may come about, back a month from now. How about Remedy? <laughs> uh, I don't know what that product is. So we use it all I all the time to kill to kill uh, kill uh, wee thatch and stuff like that and cactus. Well, you can try that. Just follow the directions. You're using heavy duty super industrial chemicals here. Yes, sir, it is. I'm very familiar with it. I was just wondering what, the, what your best idea might be. Is Digging it up. Sorry. I, 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 That's I what we're about here. <laughs> okay, it's a monster, all right. Well, I appreciate you. Yeah, um, and good luck. Uh, you no can get ahead of it. You never want it to bloom. Believe it or not, nutgrass will bloom. And it'll look like it's got a star on top of it. With all yeah. these little runners, that is seeds. It can okay. it can run from the roots and it can grow from seeds. So make sure you right. never see any seeds. Oh, I love you, Nemesis. Okay, I appreciate you, Jeff. I'll keep my ears on you. I'll listen. I'll listen to the rest of the day. I appreciate you. Thanks for the call, Steve. Sorry for the problem. Uh, yeah, folks. I know nutgrass drives people crazy. I don't get it. It grows green here in Texas. That's hard enough to accomplish, okay? But if you don't get all of the nut, you will never get rid of the nut grass. And if you let it go too long, you will see it puts up a stalk and a round ball, kind of like a dandelion head. And uh, that's nothing but seeds, and you will never be rid of it. So always try to take the seeds out the minute you start to see them form. Uh, Joanne, I see you there, but we're up against a break. I'll catch you on the other side. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back. Um, let's go to the phone. This is um, this is Joanne. Good morning, Joanne. What can I help you with? Good morning, Jeff. Um, I have two questions. Uh, can I trim back my cannas now that they've bloomed and look really, really ugly? And how far to trim them back is my first question. You can cut the you can cut the bloom stalk out. Okay. Um, I, I wouldn't by any means cut it to the ground. You want no. as much leaf still exposed so that it can suck up sunshine, turn it into food, and store that food for its next bloom. Okay. I just, because the, the stock really, you know, once the flowers bloom, they kind of look really bad. Yep. Yep. Um, the second question is as the birds have deposited the lovely hackberry tree in various places around my yard. And I cut it down. I cut it, you know, below the ground. And instead of one stock, it comes back with a dozen stocks. And and how do I get get it so I will eliminate it completely? Keep cutting. Just keep cutting. Sooner or later, yeah, you will. The plant will lose its energy. So the minute you see a shoot come up, cut it down. Okay. Um, go out there and check it 
once every week or two. So you're never having to cut a very big stem. Usually, if you cut it just below ground level, you should be able to mow over that if it's in an area you mow. Unfortunately not. Ah, uh, we yeah, the, the 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 one that's driving me uh the most crazy is in between um the uh two rock fences. And and so, you know, I, I get it and then, you know, now instead of a single stem, like I said, it's about four and it's still driving me, you know, so just just keep cutting and eventually it'll die and go away. Right. You will win. Now I gotta tell you, you have a challenge in front of you because that plant is going to spend every day trying to survive just to make you mad so you've (laughs) got to be fairly prepared that you get out there and you cut it the minute you see any leaves on it and uh, just keep cutting it you will wear it out you will kill it will that be the same i have a a Mountain laurel that's coming up that was damaged in the freeze and I had to cut it down. So now I have all these wonderful thousands of shoots coming up from the the um, uh, base of it. Do the same thing. Um, you know, I have the exact same situation. I had a fairly large mountain laurel froze to the ground, so I cut everything down, cut it flush, and I still to this day from the freeze two years ago keep getting these little shoots that come up for the uh, mountain laurel. And I'm kind of stuck in this, why don't I just let it grow then? You know, it will turn into a big mountain laurel again and bloom and all that, but it's in a spot I don't want it. So mm-hmm. the easiest thing for me is the same routine. Okay. We cut flush and we, we did what you did, cut it just below ground level. So these little shoots that come up, I can safely get rid of them with the lawnmower. You're not in that situation, but it does work, and I know I will win the battle. Okay. It just may take a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. I have a I have a tree we cut down, a Arizona ash, many years ago. Gosh, more than five or six years ago. And I still have to take shoots off of it every year. But I'm winning. I'm getting fewer and fewer shoots coming up. So I'm going to win, dang it. No. Yep. Uh, I appreciate the, the, the help this morning. Thanks so much. Have a great rest of your day. You too, Joanne. Thanks for the call. Yes, folks. Nature will fight you tooth and nail if you back off in the process of cutting something down and you back off just a little bit, suddenly you're going to have all kinds of these shoots coming up and they're going to get bigger and bigger, faster and faster. And you're now past the point of being able to take a simple pair of pruners or safely run over it with your lawnmower. You're going to be back into the category of, gosh, I got a whole new tree coming up here. What are we going to do about this? Well, the answer is you're back to starting over again and cutting it flush. Now, the quicker you pay attention to it, 
Like Joanne goes out every two weeks, religiously, never forgets, looks at where this plant was, looks for any new green leaves, and she sees them, snip them off. You will win this battle, but it will be a battle. Nature will fight you tooth and nail to survive. Just be consistent. You'll get rid of the tree. You'll get rid of the hackberry. Now, she described a situation where it was in a weird place, so she couldn't mow it or weed eat it. She's got to reach down and trim it. I have uh, a tree puller. It'll pull a two-inch diameter trunk out of the ground. It's a big lever bar that gets a really good grip on the trunk, and you pull the bar back, and it lifts the tree out of the ground. It's made by a company in Canada called Polar Bear, B-E-A-R. Um, best investment I made, I run into these hackberries coming up in places, get a grip on them, and pull the whole thing out of the ground. The only situation I have where it doesn't work because of damage to the plant, I have um, some rough leaf dogwood growing. A nice stand of it. It's very pretty when it blooms. And the leaves are rough. That's no doubt about it. And it acts as a nice privacy barrier. And it also acts as a place for uh, hackberries to hide Birds poop the seeds out in the middle of the plant. The plant comes up and it grows in there. You don't even see it till you do see it and you have to get rid of it. I can't use the puller because uh, it will be pulling too many roots. They're all entangled. And these pullers are efficient. They work well. They work best a day or two after a rain when the soil is soft and moist and you can handle a very large stump and get it out of the ground so you never have to deal with it again. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Uh, we need to break for the news at the bottom of the hour. I'll catch everybody on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, you know, I'm seeing this. I'm getting asked this question, a lot of texts with pictures. And I have this same problem with some of my plants right now. I have a goji berry that goes back and forth between full brand new green leaves and suddenly they're pale. They've got little brown spots all over them. The leaves wind up falling off and guess what? Boom, a whole new round of uh, growth. That is, um, that is probably a fungal disease. Our temperatures have been really good, and the humidity has been so high that fungal growth is thriving. It's like, hey, this is exactly what I want, so it grows pretty good. 
what can you do about it? The leaves that are yellowed, that have the spots on them, you can't do anything about it anymore. So there's a problem here. You can spray the plant safely, and there are several antifungal products you can use. Monterey Complete Disease Control is a good one. It's on the organic list, and it has uh, the ability to cover quite a few of the fungal diseases that we get around here. The problem is the yellow leaves with spots will never get better. Never. They're going to wind up dying. The plant will go, oh, sorry, you're not helping me here. And boom, it'll be gone. However, if you spray with these antifungals, my suggestion first would be you probably have spots in the plant, whether it's a tree or a shrub. You probably have some branches, not the entire plant, but some branches that are really bad. Cut those out. Look at the stuff that's really ugly. Recognize that it's never going to be green again and trim that out. You can do that in this heat. It's not going to hurt the plant. You may want to do it late in the day or early in the morning so it doesn't hurt you, but you can trim that out, then spray it. Why spray stuff that's going to die and fall off regardless of what you do, right? So trim out some of those branches, some of those bad-looking areas down to good wood, good leaves. Then spray. Get the most out of the spray that you can. This needs to be done about once a week to prevent the fungal diseases from erupting and going crazy you need to be attentive for two or three weeks at least to keep them green rather than have them turn uh, all spotted on you. But it's not killing the plant, okay? I promise it is not killing the plant. Oh, I have a person who's texted us here. They've got a, they seeded their lawn with Bermuda. Looks fantastic, but they have all these weeds uh, growing in the yard. How do you address those stray weeds? Well, number one, keep your Bermuda grass happy. Bermuda will choke out a whole lot of plants. It will choke out a lot of weeds. So mow Bermuda to the correct height when it needs to be mowed, and you will get rid of a lot of the weeds simply by keeping it well mowed and well cared for. For the weeds that aren't going anywhere, there are several organic uh, weed control products. One product is called... Um, pulverize. It's a spray. You can buy it ready to use or concentrate. 
Another product is Bonide Burnout. Same thing, concentrate or ready to use. What these do will burn off the top of the leaf. Now, do not make the mistake of spraying everything. Only spray the plants you want to kill. So if you have weeds popping up in your yard, get a decent sized piece of cardboard, sort of wrap the cardboard around the plant you want to kill and spray it. That way you don't have overspray. These products will burn the leaves off of the plants chemically. Once it's dry, it's perfectly safe for kids and pets. But that is how you can get some control over these weeds that are coming up from your turf. Number two, this fall, don't forget to use your corn gluten. If any weed seeds were still present, the corn gluten will prevent them from growing. Let's go to the phone. This is Joe. Joe, what can I help you with? Good morning, Jeff. Um, re recently, we've been sort of saving some uh, black swallowtail caterpillars from the wasps and the lizards and such. And um, I've started to build a custom butterfly habitat for my wife. And um, she, years ago, down at Gardening Naturally, I mean, at the, at the shop, we saw the Dutchman's pipe vine and all the wonderful butterflies that you had there. And we've had a real hard time finding sort of the native or the good Dutchman's pipe vine. I think there's a variety that can poison them. So I wanted to ask you, one, about that and where I might find it locally, and two, uh, I understand there's also a similar situation with milkweed as far as, like, the right species of milkweed for the monarchs. Okay. Okay. The Dutchman pipe, there are basically two varieties that are pretty common here in Texas. One is called white veined. It has a, a roundish type leaf to it, still makes the Dutchman's pipe, um, and it stays closer to the ground, more of a ground cover. The other one, there is a woolly Dutchman's pipe, and it's a vine. It grows as a true vine. Either one of those are excellent for the pipe vine swallowtails. Um, okay. They grow well. They will surprise you because the, the pipe vine swallowtail is a unique butterfly in that it will lay so many eggs on the host plant that they will literally chew it flush to the ground, and when they run out of food, they'll eat each other. They're cannibals. <laughs> I've heard that so about the, uh, the black swallowtail caterpillars as well, but go ahead. Yeah, so be prepared for that. It's kind of brutal, but nature does her thing, you know. Right. As for the monarchs, um, there's about, gosh, I think I've read six different kinds of milkweed native to Texas that is a great host for the monarchs or the queens or things like that. But um, antelope horn is one of the most common native, shows up in your yard, and you can get started plants. They're kind of hard to transplant, and you can get for them. They have very specific instructions to get the seeds to grow. 
Okay. But uh, and antelope horn is one. Uh, swamp milkweed is another, though you probably are not going to find it here in central Texas. Maybe, maybe not. But um, there's seeds for most of the milkweed that the monarchs will eat if you can't okay. find the plant. You have to be very, very follow the instructions on getting them to grow, but you can uh-huh. have a boatload of them easily. Once you get them, they'll almost reseed themselves. Okay. Yeah, we've had a, a lot of great success with our passion flower. And I, ironically, and I'll just quickly tell this story in case anybody's listening and interested. Uh, the uh, Gulf literary just adores that plant, right? It's, and it goes crazy. And similarly, if it's too small, they'll eat it to the ground. But I didn't realize that, for example, the passion flower spreads through the roots. And so we finally pulled it out of the pot and planted it. It went crazy on the arbor. And then like a year later, it started popping up everywhere within like 15 feet of the plant. So now I have like I have these big beautiful flowers everywhere, but uh, but no that was a great success with that. But I'd I'd love to do more than just bring in the uh, the black swallowtail and the Gulf literary. So I appreciate the advice. Is there any place local where I could get the Dutchman's pipe vine? The natural gardener used to carry it on a pretty regular basis. As a matter of fact, that's where I got the ones I have. I have I got five of them and put them against a wall. They grow like crazy, they've done really well, and they get mowed to the ground. One thing about your passion flower, Joe, where those shoots are coming up real far away, you know you can dig that up and have a whole new plant? Yeah, um, I've I've been promising the neighbor I was going to do that. Now, you say far away. Can you clarify that a little bit more and tell me, like, you mean because if I go too close, I could damage the, the, the original plant or... No, it's just that where you, when you see them come up and they're not part of the original plant, those are yep. probably great examples of ones you can dig up. Just use a hand trowel or something. Try to pull right. up as much of the root that you can, and um, there you go. You've got another passion flower vine. Yeah, I had done that once recently and put it along the fence in the back <clears throat> by the neighbor I was discussing it with. And my yard guys came by and whacked it with a weed whacker. So i got to protect yep. the next one. But yep. I appreciate it, Jeff. Yeah, good luck. Uh, it's you. really great what you're doing. Not only is it beautiful, but all of these little flying jewels need some help, and you're providing it. So enjoy your efforts. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Oops, we overran there. We're up against a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, I, I got a text message, and um, they're wondering what to do. They say they have ants in their oak tree roots. And all I can think of is that silly commercial where somebody buys a house and they complain that they have ants and all those women come in and, and talk about expired stuff in the refrigerator and keeping it clean. It's just obviously not what they're talking about today. But ants in the oak tree roots. My first comment would be 
So ants are in the ground. Unless you see that the ants are actually chewing through the roots, which is really, really unlikely, okay? If the ants are damaging the roots, and you can see where they're doing that, one of the things you can use, you can try using a spinosad soil drench. Personally, I wouldn't do anything I'm sure I can go out to several of my oak trees and pull back some dirt and find ants in the ground. That's where they're supposed to be. Now, if they were crawling up into the tree, that's another discussion to be had there because in the tree they can do damage, but it would be very unlikely for ants to attack the roots of a tree. Ants. Now, are you looking and are you sure they're ants? Because it's possible they could be termites. Learned that one myself this week because I have to get treated for it. Uh, found a spot near one of my doors that has termites. So guess what? Got to get termites treated. But they're everywhere in Texas. Ants are not doing the damage to the roots to your tree. Unless you can see that they are, leave them be. That's where ants are supposed to be. They loosen the soil. They break down nutrients. They allow water and oxygen to get to the roots of the tree. They're a beneficial. Like I said, unless you see them actually causing damage, don't worry about them. Okay, um, what else have we got here? Oh, uh, yeah, let's go back to the phone. This is Joe. Yes, Joe, what can I help you with? Good morning, Jeff. Um, I have a, a quick question for you before the end of the hour. I have a, I believe it's a salvia, it's called Hot Lips, and uh, yeah. it has the, the red and the bright uh, red and white flower on it. And I thought it would do a lot better in this heat, but it seems to be getting very thin and not flowering very much. And so I was wondering about feeding and watering that particular species. Have you trimmed it back yet? I have not. Okay, when it blooms and the bloom is gone, trim it back. It will By like half or... New... Uh, no, if you look at a flower blossom stalk, Go down at least to the end of the blossom stalk. You can go just a little bit further if you want. You don't have to cut it by half, but trimming off those old blossoms, effectively deadheading them, will encourage yeah, yeah. it to bloom again. Now, okay. no harm in making sure it gets the water it needs. You don't drown it. When it needs water, you give it water. But you know, Hot Lips has this habit when the water, when the water, when the air is really hot, the blossom can be entirely red. Okay. When cooler weather arrives, you'll get the white part back again. Okay. And can you tell me quickly uh, how to identify the end of the blossom stalk? Is it just basically where the leaves start? Yeah, pretty much. And you can okay. cut the first set of leaves to go with it too to encourage it to bloom. 
All right. I appreciate that, Jeff. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, folks, every one of our flowers will do better if you cut off the dead flower. Sometimes it's really simple to identify. Sometimes it's a whole bunch of flowers, like those of you growing a blue mist flower. The tops all turn brown. Cut those off. You'll get new blooms again. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We're coming up on a break for the news at the top of the hour. I will catch everybody on the other side.